Drop it. He's gonna drop it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Here's the final stretch. Here's the final stretch. Oh! Wait, 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 wait. Did you drop it before you reached? Oh. Yeah. You dropped it. You dropped it. Sometimes I feel like I'm screwed up and shouldn't be where I'm. All right. All right. There we go. All right, everybody. Let's give, our, let's give our participants a hand, everybody. Yes, yes. You guys, yes, a round of applause. You are all winners in Jesus. Yes. All right. Oh. All right, guys. That was a good game. And now I'm going to hand it over to Cynthia. She's got some analysis for us. So please give it up for Cynthia. So a great thing to do is come in life groups, get to know each other, get encouraged by each other, you know, hear everyone's testimony, see how they came to God, because we all didn't just come to God by coming to church. We heard about Jesus through someone, right? So what we're doing this April 19th, it's a Saturday. All our life groups fall on a Saturday um, at 12 p.m. We're going to meet at Pastor Adam's house. His house is like literally like over there. It takes us like five minutes to walk. It's on Laramie and uh, Wrightwood over there. I'm from Chicago, over there, like the bear. Okay, so we meet there April 19th, 12 p.m., come through. We're going to make a pizza. So we're going to divide you guys into just say we have this team and this team. Whoever makes the best pizza wins. So what do we win? Pizza. We win pizza. So we're all going to have a pizza bake-off. You get to put whatever you want on it. You want to get gross, get gross, but no one's going to eat it, and you're going to lose. Or you can make the best pizza in the world, <clears throat> sausage, mushrooms, that's it. That's the best, Okay. 
All right, and so just join us live group. All right, we're gonna have some fun. Um, a second way that we'd like to fulfill our vision by loving God, loving people is to mentor you. We take you into our um, into our discipleship class. If you're not in, if you're in the one-on-one, raise your hand. It's basically you meet with one of us, like Jerry, Cynthia, you know, um, Christina, Adam. You meet with one of us, you know, on a bi-weekly basis or a weekly basis, or Lawrence. You meet with us, we talk to you about Jesus, how to live like a Christian, right? Or like a disciple, rather. And we just work with you. You know, you want you have, you have questions, we'll answer them for you. And once we feel that you've grown in the Lord, we'll go ahead and take you to the next step, which is 201, and you become a leader. And then eventually you're going to stand up here and hold the mic like I am. It's not that scary, okay? It's not that scary, I promise. I used to go like this. Like, I promise you. And to this day, it still happens. If I get really nervous, you'll see me like, what's wrong with your hand, you know? Anyway, so once we get to your 201, we send you out, and you become one of us, and we go ahead and we tell people about Jesus. That's it's, it is. It's a circle, right? It's like when the recycle sign, we connect you, we mentor you, send you to connect and mentor you again. So that's exactly what we make you do, or not make you do, but we show you and we teach you how to do it. Amen? Amen. And then we have a goal. I can't really see, but our goal is... 100,000 disciples in Chicago. Say it with me. 100,000. Good job. Good. With 50 churches in Chicago, right? And 500 around the world. So we are on our way to do that, okay? It's possible. We have how many disciples? 36. It's not a far away. We have 36 so far, okay? But if you reach one to teach one to reach one, you know, it's going to happen really fast. Like every single one of you guys become a leader and you make more, that's awesome. It happens, you know, but obviously people don't just become Christian overnight. You know, it takes time to be disciples to learn. So that's our goal and that's what we're going for. We're going to live, you know, for Jesus. We're going to go hard. We're not going to go home until we go hard, right? Now watch the boy Ties and offerings is my favorite part. My favorite part. We are blessed. And the Lord has given us so many opportunities to bless others that he's going to bless you through that. Um, what exactly is a tithe? A tithe is 10% of your total income. 10%. Only 10%. It's not like 100%. Okay, guys, it's not a big deal. 10% of your total income Right? And offering is whatever you offer to God after you tithe. So, for example, I'm going to give you my example before I put that up there. I make 10 bucks in a week. Now, that's not real, but I make 10 bucks in a week. 10% would be a dollar. Now, everyone can give a dollar, right? Cool. So we can give a dollar and just say if I decide to give the $9 after that $1 goes to my tithe, that's my offering. So that's what you know, God expects us to give, 10%, and the rest is our offering. Now, I do have a more realistic example. What is 10% of $695? Dang. None of us go to school because none of us raise our hands. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, if you know the answer, raise your hand. No, no one runs to raise your hand. What in the world? Come on, you know the answer because you said it. I know you don't want to raise your hand. Yeah, so it, what is it? $69.50. Then you got the rest of the money to spend, right? Or you can offer it, right? So you have $69.50 to give. Awesome. All right. 
So, you guys made money today or this week? Prepare to give in your hearts. Give cheerfully. Okay, we're going to repeat this um, all together at once. I'm going to say the title and then you guys will say remembering the words. Cool, so we don't get all jumped up. One, two, three. Acts 2035. Amen. We want to bow our, our heads and close our eyes. Lord God, I thank you, God, for this service. Lord God, I pray, God, that you will bless the students, God, so they would be a blessing, Lord God, that they would give out of the joy of their heart, God, out of the joy of, of just giving Jesus because you know um, that you will bless them. They know that they will they will be blessed and be favored by you, Lord. So let us give unto you, unto the church, to be able, be able to build it up and um, build each other up, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. off in a second so no one's gonna see you go like this all right come to the front come to the front smell my perfume come on come, come, come to the front all right ready cool all right we're gonna get ready to worship go ahead jerry hello good evening Father God, we come before you, God, in this attitude of worship, Lord. We come to give you praise, oh God, because you are worthy. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, God. And that's why we, we bring you praise, Lord. So we just ask you to just, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to just come and have your way. Lord God, let us not leave here the same, Lord God, but that we would be different, God, because of what you're doing in and through us, Lord. I pray for a fresh touch from you, oh God. So we thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen.
fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your so happy that there's a God whose love never gives up. It never fails. It never runs out on us. That's something to celebrate. It's something to rejoice. It's something to just be so in awe of. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out. It's unconditional. It's an agape kind of love. God's love doesn't have conditions. He says, just come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You'll take my yoke upon you, and it is not burdensome. This is love for God that we keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Oh, Lord, we just, we come before you, and we just say, have your way, oh God, have your way. There's a fire that God will give you if you just ask for it. He'll, he'll kindle a fire in you that'll never burn out. His love never grows cold. There's a fire that burns so bright inside that it can set this whole world on fire. There's nothing that'll snuff out the love of God. Nothing. Neither death nor life. Mm, God, you're so good. I'll provide the sacrifice You provide the spirits 
and I will open up inside. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. the fire and I'll provide the sacrifice you provide the spirits and I will open up inside fill me up God fill me Fill me up, 
Do you guys even know what you're asking God to do? Do you even know what you're asking God to do? In this song, it's not just words. You're asking for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. You're asking God to, to fill you up so much that there's nothing of you left. You're asking God to pour me out, God, so I can be filled up with more of you. Let there be less of me and more of you. Let me become less so that you can become greater. Fill me up, God, so I can be a vessel for the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be who I was yesterday. I don't even want to be who I was today. I want to be Jesus Christ to my friends. I want to be what he's calling me to be. I want to be the Bible somebody opens that they can ask me any question about God and that I can come to them with a good answer. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. That is my prayer. That is my heart cry. Fill me up, God. Because I'm not enough on my own. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. So I can see my generation love you. Fill me up so I can do everything you're calling me to do. Fill me up so when persecution and ridicule follows me in my school, that I can still stand up for what's right. That I don't have to fight my battles on my own because my God is greater, my God is bigger. When you say, fill me up, oh, how the Holy Ghost will use you in ways you can't even imagine. And you have nothing to fear. There's no fear. There's no fear in God. If you fear God, there is a holy fear that is a good fear. So you don't do whatever you want to do. But that debilitating fear that holds you back, that's the fear of man. That's the fear of the devil. And if you feel that way towards, towards God, say, Satan, get behind me. Because I'm a daughter of the king of kings. I'm a son of the king of kings. A prince and a princess know their place as royalty. And they're not too good. And they're not too weak to say off with his head. Fill me up, God. So I can be fearless. There's no fear in Jesus. Because he's love. And he's love. Fill me up, God, so I can fight another day, so I can face what I face at home, so I can face my friends, so I can stand up for what I believe. Because you're not weak. You just have to know who you are in Jesus. You're a 
soldier. You're a daughter. You're a son. God says, I make everything good. But if you're feeling held back today, that is the charge. Say, fill me up, God. Because you can only use your age as an excuse for so long. Oh, I'm just 16. I don't know what I'm doing. No, that's not, that's not, that's not a good enough excuse. Because someday you're going to be 17, and someday you're going to be 18, and someday you're going to look back at your life and say, wow, I'm 30. Or 40 or 50. Even if you're 12 in this place, it's not an excuse. Everyone is called. Jesus called his disciples as teenagers. They could do it, so can you. Read the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit descended on them, 3,000 were added to their number in one day. Fill me up, God. You know, the Bible also says, Jesus says, those who will seek me will find me. Knock and the door will be open unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Ask and it shall be, shall be given to you. Your hand, lean back up. 
about Jesus' feet. We're talking about God Almighty, His feet. I want to sit at your feet, God. I want to drink from the cup that is your hands. I want to lay back against you. Can you think about that picture, what it would look like to rest in the arms of a God that big who loves us so much, the God of the universe resting in his arms, in his embrace. I know a lot of us go through the motions in this life. We get caught up. We get busy. We get tired. We get weary. But to know that we can sit at his feet. Can you imagine that love, that opportunity to sit at a king's feet? Tonight, I want us to envision that. God, let that be our heart, that we would find rest in you. But also, guys, I want you to remember that this is his love we're talking about. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you, and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. God's a real God. He has a heartbeat. We are made in his image. He has a heartbeat. Tonight, let's be aligned with his heart. Let's be aligned with that love that he has for us. Let us not forget that this is all for love, that this isn't just some service we come to and attend, that this is all for love, that we do this because he loves you first, that he sent Jesus to die to take your place because of love, not because he had to, but because of love. So tonight, I want us to, in that attitude of worship, we're going to sing that again. And I want you guys, if it's, something that you want to do, but I want to encourage you to kneel before God as if you're sitting at his feet, as if you're resting with him. And if you don't know the words, that's okay, but you can read them on the screen. But I also want to encourage you guys to listen 
be comforted by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is here right now. And you can ignore him right now or you can listen to him right now. But he is here. And it's your choice whether you're going to yield to that whisper, to that love, to that voice that is luring you, that is speaking to you, that is longing for you. God desires to know you, for you to know him. So tonight, let him in. Whether you've known him for years or you've known him for months or you don't know him at all, listen to that Holy Spirit. God, we invite you in. In this place, we welcome you here. We thank you that you're here, Holy Spirit. I ask that you have your way in each of our hearts tonight. God, that we would be renewed by that love, that sweet love that you have. We'd be reminded of that as we sing this song. Thank you, Lord. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hands. Lean back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. Thank you. 
turn the lights on so you guys can take notes. You know, not that any of you take notes, but if you wanted to, you could. Just saying. All right, give me one second. Tony, could you get me two Bibles from the info booth table real quick? I need two volunteers real quick. This is not a suicide sermon, but I need two volunteers. Okay. Okay, come on. Come on up. One right here, one right here. You guys, I've been sick all week, so I'm sorry if I just cough a little throughout the whole sermon. I can do it. Totally can. All right, let's give one to each one. Each one. One gets, each gets a Bible. We are going to play who can get there first, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I want you guys to look up. I know, sorry, Alec, you're up against Lawrence. He's like the Bible whiz. Not really sorry, okay? Just going to encourage you to aspire to be better. I'm just kidding. No, you might actually. Anyway, all right, let's do Chronicles 2. <laughs> two, two, two. Oh. oh, we'll do Chronicles 2, just Chronicles 2. There, you did it. Well, I said it wrong. Second Chronicles, good job. Okay, we're going to do another one. We got more, we got more. We got two, we got more. Okay, we're going to do Lamentations, chapter 5. Out for the win. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Samuel. Oh, we have a winner. You have it? Five, I said. Okay. Okay. We're going to do it again. There's more. No, we're going to do it again. Wow, Alec, I'm very surprised. All right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Um, let me try to think of a hard one. Second Corinthians 13, chapter 13. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Chapter 13. Second Corinthians? Yep. All right, two to one. All right, let's do two more. I'm just excited right now. Okay, two more. All right, we're going to do Agai chapter one. That OT. I love me some OT. I really do. One, just to get there. Get to the beginning. Oh, two to two. All right, here we go. Deal breaker. Don't go too far. Malachi one. Malachi 1. I'll turn with them to Malachi 1. Tonight we were reading from, oh, Lawrence, you came in. You're the anchor. All right. High fives. You guys are awesome. The bomb. Thank you for your entertainment tonight. We love you. Sammy, could you help me? 
All right, guys, let's turn to Malachi 2 in our Bible state. I'm actually going to use my real Bible, not my app Bible. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about worship. How many of you guys like to worship? You know? I know I do. I know, like, what we just did was worship, right? Right? Is that the only way we worship, though? Like, is that the only way we worship? What's another way we worship? You guys scream something out because you know how. Your life, yes, that's it. You work, yes. You guys need help? Why don't you trade Bibles? You guys want to make a scene. Help her, find it for her. So what I can tell you what worship is not. Worship is not an attempt to entertain people or to stir their emotions. Worship is not an attempt to manipulate people's minds and hands. Worship is not something we do to indoctrinate you. <laughs> worship is an effort we do, an effort we make in our own lifestyles to honor God. Worship is a lifestyle, and that's what Jose said, and that's it. Worship is a lifestyle, guys. It's not just what we do here on Fridays when we come up to sing. Worship is something we do to give God glory, to give God honor. Girls, and I want everyone to just kind of scoot in towards the middle so I feel like we're together, we're united, like one. And actually, we could get everybody in the first two rows. That'd be cool. Like you guys, if you guys scoot in, that'd be awesome. Thank you, thank you. All right, so in Malachi 1, let's read it together. This is a book, this is an Old Testament book, <coughs> pardon me guys, and it's talking about, now Malachi is a person, Malachi was a prophet, and a prophet is, literally Malachi means messenger, and Malachi was a prophet, so that means he was a messenger of God, he was sent to these people in Jerusalem, these were the Jewish people, and they were living in exile, and God had already done so much in them, now if you look at the Bible, at this point in time, God had already done a lot in the Israelites, in the Jewish people. He had done a lot for them. He had shown them himself faithful. He, they have seen the captives set free, like the slavery, the bondage. God has delivered those people. God has revealed himself in signs and wonders in front of them, the miraculous. But these people were getting up into this place where they were like, just going through the motions. How many of you guys can feel like that? You've been there before. You're just going through the motions. You know, you're not doing anything special. Nothing crazy is happening. You're just there. You know, and that's where these people were. And they knew God was there. They knew God was real. But they got to the point where it wasn't like, man, I, got lo I love God so much. Like, I'm so radical for Jesus right now. I just love him. I love God. You know, they were not there. I know a lot of you have had those experiences yourself, like where you're so pumped up. But let's read chapter 1. It says, an oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. So this is God speaking through Malachi to um, the Jews. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you, but you ask, how have you loved us? So there's just this attitude already. We're hearing it in their tone, like, okay, God, you say you, you love me, but how? Like, what have you done? And this is after God has already shown himself awesome, like revealed his signs and wonders in front of them, delivered them. And he, they're like, really, you love us? Like, really? Come on. I can just hear that attitude, you know, just coming out. We're in this we're not gonna read the entire book of Malachi, but we're gonna skip around a little bit, just this uh, verse six. A son honors his father and a servant his master. I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. 
It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying, by saying that the Lord's table is com- contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. So this is like a conversation. He's basically, God is speaking through Malachi to the people, and he's saying, like, you brought the file offerings to me, yo. Like, that's not cool. And they're like, whatever, like, that's not a big deal. You see their attitude? You guys hear that as we're reading it? They're like, how did we defile you? Like, what did we do? Uh, you sacrificed defiled things to me. Now, we got to talk about what it, why, why sacrifice is a big deal. <laughs> so sacrifice, in the Old Testament law, sacrifice was a form of worship. See, that is a form of worship unto God. It wasn't just their lifestyle. It was like when they sinned, they had to make a sacrifice that atoned for their sin. You guys are following me? Have you heard that before? Like, Oh, you have to make a sacrifice. Oftentimes you have to make a sacrifice to kind of like, it's like a means to an end kind of thing, like to pay the bill. Like I have to sacrifice, you know, this, you know, buying those new shoes so I can pay my phone bill. You know what I'm saying? You sacrifice something, like you give something up for something else. So God is saying here, you, you have sinned against me, a holy God, so in order for you to atone or pay for those sins, you have to make a sacrifice. So back in the Old Testament, now this is before Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. And when he came and died for the sins, he atoned for everybody's sins. He came because he was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus came to the earth, 100% God, 100% man. He had never sinned. And because all of us are sinners, we all need to be saved. But because Jesus never sinned, he could take our place. See? So Jesus came to take our place, so he died on a cross. But before that happened, there needed to be a way for people to be forgiven. So that's why the sacrifices came in. So people would make these sacrifices. But what God asked of those sacrifices was, bring me your best. Bring me the best that you have and sacrifice it unto me to show me, hey, you love me. Hey, I'm really sorry for my sin. Forgive me, God. So that would atone for the sin. So don't you think that God knows when you give your best and you don't? Don't you think? Sometimes we think like, I did my best. Well, God's like, Bro, I made you. I know that's not your best. Like, calm down. It's not. So so because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, we no longer have to make those animal sacrifices. So in response, though, we, but in response to what Jesus did for us, in the same sense, we need to give our best. So in this this book of Malachi, these people are not wanting to give their best. Okay, now they didn't have, Jesus had not come yet for these people. He had not redeemed them yet. So they had to make that sacrifice. And so they had to give their best sacrifice. But thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, that we don't have to do that, that we have to just repent of our sin, amen, and we are washed white as snow. We're forgiven. That's all it takes. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. We never have to sacrifice a thing again. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, that's awesome. So today God still requires our best. Everyone say, our best. It is not a form of a flawless lamb or a fattened calf nowadays, but God still requires us to give him our best. 
Now, how many of you guys have ever done, you've, you've turned plenty of work assignments, right? Maybe you had this assignment and it was a big project and you worked really hard on it, but maybe it wasn't like the best you could have done, but you still worked really hard. You did everything that was required of you. You followed the syllabus or whatever and you turn it in. You're like, I got an A, I got it. You get your grade back and it's not what you thought it would be. You're like, why? I did everything they asked me to do. Like, why wouldn't I get an A? So you talk to your teacher and your teacher's like, yeah, you, you know, you did do everything but I've seen your work, I know you, and you could have honestly done better. And an A plus is like, you couldn't have done better. But because I know you could have done better, I couldn't have given you that A plus. Does that make sense? Sometimes God looks at our work and he's like, I know that's not your best. And guys, I'm not talking about physical things, I'm talking about the heart here. Because worship comes down to the heart, it's a heart issue, it's not about what we can literally give to God, okay? Yes, it comes with tithes and offerings. Yes, it comes with things that we sometimes sacrifice to give God glory. But ultimately, it's your heart. Are you giving God your whole heart? Are you giving him the best of your heart? Are you giving him everything? And we're going to talk a little bit what that looks like in our regular life. So if you are taking notes, there are three things we're going to talk about, three ways to truly worship God. And I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, giving God our best in every area of our life is the highest form of worship. It's the highest form of worship. You, if you give God your best in everything, that pleases God. And if you're waiting for God to show up and show off in your life, just give him your everything. That's it. There's no secret like, oh, I have to do this or go to church more or pray more or pray harder. Give God your best. Be real with God and say, here, God, have it all. I'm going to work hard. And God will show up and show off in your life. So the Bible talks about three standards for sacrifices here in the book of Malachi. The first one Give your best, like we just said. Give your best. So I want to ask you guys, do you give your best to God? Think about it. Are you giving right now in your life where you're at, are you giving your best to God? So I'm going to give you an example. What, is, what does that really look like for us? Okay, so let's say you go to a restaurant, right? You're starving. You're going to go to this restaurant. You're going to sit down, and you're like, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready to pay you money to give me good food. So come on. So you pick the perfect restaurant. You sit down. You get situated. You look at the menu. I want that right there. That looks good. I want that. So you order it. You're with your friends, and you're happy. You're like, yes, I'm going to get fed. You bring the food out. Eh, it doesn't look so good, right? It doesn't look like the picture. It's a, little, it's a little cold. You know, maybe you'll give it the benefit of the doubt, and you bite into it. But then you're like, there's a hair in my burrito. And going fly, you know? So what do you do? You send it back, right? Or you leave, or you don't pay for it. But the concept behind it is you're going there, you're paying them your money so that they give you their best. Am I right? You are going there so that they give you their best. You're not looking for a no. Like, they're going to put their best on the menu. They're going to be like, look, look at this picture. It's the best we can do. And you're going to be like, man, that looks good. I want that. I want the best. You know, you're not looking like, oh, I don't, I want the cold frozen burger from next door, okay? No, you're going there to get a real nice meal. So you want the best they have to offer you. In the same way God wants the best, we have to offer him. God knows what our best is, so let's give it to him. The next thing is to give to God first. Give to God first. Okay, so what does that mean? So let's bring it back to the restaurant. You're at the restaurant. You don't sit down and expect to get the guacamole and salsa from the person before you that didn't finish it. No, you don't want no leftovers, right? 
Not at all. You want the fresh. You want the first. You want something that no one has touched yet. It's just for you. It's first and foremost for you. No one has touched it yet. It's yours. And that's what that's talking about. God wants the first fruit of, of everything you produce. I'm going to, in Proverbs 3, 9, you don't have to turn there, but you can. But it talks about God requires the first fruit of all you produce. Short proverb. Give God the first fruit of all you produce. Okay? And so that's like your time, your money, your resources. It says crops, I think, in NIV. Yeah. But in another translation, it says, give the first fruits of all your crops. Give with all you produce. Right? So in the, in the Bible times, crops was kind of what you produced. You know? Like what you, it's like a, so a means of income. You traded. There wasn't like tons of money floating around. Like it's not exactly how we did it. But... It's the same concept. When you produce something, you want to give it to God. And that goes for a lot of things. God does not get leftovers. And he surely does not deserve our sloppy seconds. Number three, give what costs you. Giving should be sacrificial. We touched, we touched on that earlier. I'm going to give you a biblical example for this one because it's really powerful. It's about David. And David was... And this is uh, in 2 Samuel 24, if you want to reference it. David wanted to offer a sacrifice to God, and he was going to, he went to a man, and he was going to buy a threshing floor from him. And the man who he was buying it from was like, hold on, no, 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 let me give you the wood, let me give you the oxen. You know, I want to, he was going to just give it to him for free. And David, this was his reply, he said, no, I insist on buying it from you for a price. I will not offer to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Whoa. Do you guys get that? Let me read that again. That's heavy, heavy. Okay, that's heavy, heavy, heavy. Instead of looking for a shortcut, David said, No, I insist on buying it from you for a price. For I will not offer the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So that's pointing at, like, man, I, I can't give God something that didn't cost me anything. You know, like, let's say you have, like, a ton of clothes, and someone's like, oh, my God, I love this so much, da 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 And you're like, have it. I have eight of them. Don't really matter to me. That's not a sacrifice. That's not costing you something. You know what I'm saying? But when we sacrifice unto God, it's like, we love you, God, so much, I'm going to give it till it hurts. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm going to give you my tithe, even though, man, I don't know. I'm going to pay all my bills with giving you that 10% because that's a lot of money right now for me. Okay, God, I'm going to give it to you because I trust you. So what, is it, what does it mean to give less than the best? What does it look like to, to give to God last? And what does it mean to give gifts that cost us nothing? Now this is where it's about to get you guys. So what were the three things we just went over? Number one, give your best. Number two, give to God first. And number three, Give what costs you. So what does it mean to give less than your best? What does it mean? Or what does it look like to give to God last? And what does it mean to give gifts that cost us nothing? So basically, what does it look like to not abide by those three things? Well, it's when we spend an hour, two, three plus hours watching Netflix. Playing games, video games, and then it's time to go to bed and we give God no more than five minutes reading the Bible, talking to him in prayer. That's giving God leftovers. Like, let me just fit you in right here, God. This is all I got. I got five minutes right now. Let me give it to you. Leftovers. 
it's when we bring our careers, school activities, extracurricular activities, our best energy. We come, we're hyped, we're excited. Here, I'm good at this. Da, 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 da. But when it comes to giving our time to ministry, to discipleship, I'm too tired. I don't got time. I just spent all my time at school doing this, doing this, doing this. Is that really putting God first? Giving him the first fruit of your time? Saying, God, you matter more. I'm going to give you my time. God, what do you want me to do with my time? How about that? You know, like really letting God show and check you like, okay, is this more important or is this more important? Let God prioritize your time. And um, I know a lot of us go through this, and I know in high school I was super, super involved. But what it came down to for me was like, Okay, I'm super involved in school, but I'm super involved in church. How do I do both? I missed one of my city championships. I know. It was really painful. <laughs> to go to some commitment I made to at my church. And I could have easily not gone, but I would have really, I just knew. I was like, this is where the Lord wants me, you know? And it didn't matter. You know, my team did great. I mean, it was, it was sad that I wasn't there, but it didn't matter because we won. And it was like, cool, you won without me but the bottom line was I'm not I wasn't like I wish I had gone I mean yeah I was sad but sometimes you have to sacrifice and what I did honored God it pleased him giving to God putting him first means more what I do for the kingdom means more than what I do for my school you feel me what I do for God means more and so when you make a commitment to God you honor that commitment and a lot of times what I really want to focus on right now is that like woe is me spirit like you know, this is more important, da 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 But when you put God first, I'm telling you guys, everything else falls into place. Everything else. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I'm really struggling. I'm doing okay, though. Uh, let me find my bearings here. Hmm. I think one of the biggest things, though, at Metro Praise, we are all about discipleship. Cynthia came up here and did a great job presenting what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple. If you're not willing to put time into that, into saying, I want to learn. I want to I know God. I want to be discipled. You're too busy for that. I'm sorry. Then you're, you are busy with the wrong things. You are busy with the wrong things. Because if you get so busy with school stuff, that stuff's not going to matter in eternity. What you did in high school, please, it will not matter. It will not matter a thing, what you did in high school. But what will matter is if you invest your time in knowing God. Don't you want to know God? He wants to know you. And that is really, it's critical, guys. I cannot stress it enough. So another way that we don't worship God sometimes is with our money. Maybe spend a lot of money sometimes on our, our new shoes. These aren't new, by the way. I just never wore them. <laughs> you, you spend a lot of money on your shoes, right? You got that new game coming out. You want to spend all your money. But when it comes to your tithe or giving to God, you're like, well, I don't, this is all I have left over. When it's not even a fraction of that 10% tithe you're supposed to give to God. So a lot of times it's like, oh, let me spend everything I can and everything I want first. And then whatever I have left, I'll give to God. But really what God requires of us is we give first to him. We give him our 10% and offering, and then after that, fair game, dude. But be responsible with your money. But, you know, then you can buy the, the shoes, plan the thing, whatever you want to do. But God first. Or how about when we're watching television and our favorite team, our favorite athlete, like, scores a goal, touchdown, hits a home run, and we're, like, geeked, and we're hopping up and down, and I'm, I am – Guilty of it too, you know, but I like get real excited when I'm playing. I get really into it, I get competitive. And, <laughs> but 
But are we doing that for God, or are we sitting idly, standing there with our hands by our side when it comes to worshiping God? You know, I know you guys have heard that before, but it's true. That's what it comes down to. Where's our heart at? Or how about our family? How many of you love your family? Maybe you don't have a big one. Maybe you have a small one. But there's certain people in your life that are like family, and you love them. You love them so much. But if we're honest with ourselves, some, some of us, don't our heart doesn't beat that fast for God as, mu- as fast as it beats for our family. Is our heart beating with that same love for God? I, can, I will make no apologies tonight for keeping it real with you. I know it can be a little tough sometimes to hear, like, this type of sermon where it's like, okay, you know, check your heart. But that's what it comes down to sometimes, and I will make no apologies for, for challenging you guys to bring your best to God in every area, whether it's your finances and school, with your time, with worship overall. Worship enthusiastically, for your lifestyle should be a form of worship. So I want to encourage you guys all, that's the challenge for you tonight. If you can be challenged and walk away with anything, I want you guys to be challenged in recognizing your life as a lifestyle of worship, but knowing, where am I not giving God my best? Where is it? Where, God, am I falling short? You know, God's not upstairs thinking, like, with that, like, grandpa spirit, like, oh, these guys, you know, they're sinners. It's okay, you know. And then we're, like, you know, giving him, like, these defiled sacrifices, right? We're not really giving him our best. We're kind of just coasting through. We're just going through the motions, right? You're not really giving him your best. And God's, like, not, God's just not up there, like, oh, it's okay. Thank you so much. That was so sweet of you. I appreciate it. No, God's not up there, like, okay, thanks for that defiled animal. That is not it, you know? When, when God says, when, the way God dresses this attitude in Malachi, he says, and now asks for God's favor. You know how sometimes people pray and they're like in a, in a tough spot and they're like, okay, God, I need you now, God. Help me, God. And they're like, and all of a sudden they're real spiritual, right? You know, like, I need you now, Lord. Help me, Jesus. But, you know, maybe two weeks prior they didn't even talk to God. And that's what it's kind of talking about, that attitude where you're like, okay, now ask for God's favor. Try. Try and ask. Will he be gracious to us since this has come from your hands? He's talking about the defiled offering. Since that has come from your hands, will he show you any favor? Ask the Lord of hosts. That's Malachi 1, 9 to 10. And this is basically what God is saying. He's like, shut the temple doors. It's better to not come to church. It's better to not pretend to be spiritual than to bring me less than your best. When our focus is on God and worship, when we honor him with our thoughts, our actions, our giving, giving him our best in all that we do, we give him the first fruit of our time. Pardon me. Our lives will be changed. I know a lot of us in this place, sometimes we can feel really like stuck, you know, like you go through the motions or maybe you're in discipleship already. You're making the time for it, but it's just a book to you. Or you're just going through it like, okay, I know the answers. It's not that hard to answer that question, you know. Or I'm, I'm being accountable, but nothing big's happening in my life, you know. But what you need to do is allow God to show you what are you not giving your best in. And it may be that you're not spending that one-on-one time with Jesus, letting him fill your cup and not depending on your discipleship leader to do that for you. You feel me? 
It's up to you, guys. You understand? This is about you and Jesus. This isn't about you and anybody else, you and your mom, your brother, your friend. This is about you and Jesus, a real God who loves you, who desires you. And so a lot of you might be wondering, like, why do we need to worship? Well, he's worthy. And I know a lot of you know that, but if you don't know it, I'm going to break it down tonight. Jesus came. It's all in John 3.16. We can pull it up if you want, Cynthia. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This verse is powerful. It's saying Jesus died. He died so that we could live. God's sending his only son so he could die, take our place. I know I talked about it earlier, but this is the real deal. God's worthy because he paid that price for us. He took our place. Amen? Oh, Jesus. Mm, just making sure I didn't miss anything here, so I keep going. So you guys like catchy phrases, right? <laughs> so the challenge is this. Give God your best, and he will take care of the rest. Okay? You guys fall short in giving God your best with your time, with your finances, with your heart. Overall, you're going to fall short, guys. It is a guarantee. You will not make it on your own. You will find yourself frustrated. You'll find yourself frustrated with others, with yourself. You'll fall into sin like you used to. You can't do it on your own strength, right? And, guys, you need to trust God. Okay, God. And the thing is, guys, your best is not going to be perfect. How many of you guys know that? How many of you guys are thinking that your best is perfect? Nobody. No one's best is actually perfect. Don't think like when, you know, in the Bible they had to bring this perfect, flawless lamb with the satin calf. You know, it was basically God's like, okay, that's your best one. That's what I want. Okay, God, this is the best I know how to do, and I'm going to do it. Right? Amen. Okay, so that's what God's requiring of. He's, he's not requiring us to be perfect and flawless and not, know how, and not know how to do everything. God's just saying, give me your best. And God's grace, guys, will show up in your life. I, I'm not perfect, as you all know. <laughs> and I fall short a lot. But I can't be like, all right, whatever. I beat myself up, but I, I get back up and I live holy. I get back up, I repent, and I keep learning and growing, and that's what it comes down to. We get to that place where, I, and if I stay down, that's like letting the devil, first of all, have the victory, but if I get back up, that's like me saying, okay, no, I'm going to give my God my best. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to keep on going and growing, and that's where you get your victory, and that, giving God your best, that's like the best I could have done. Like, okay, I fell down. I did my best. I still messed up. You get back up, that's showing God, I want more. I want more, God. And it, you won't always feel like you want to get back up. But you need to get back up. Sometimes you have to do what you don't feel like doing. But you, when you read the word of God and it tells you to do it, you know, okay, it's right there. It's looking at me. I know that's the truth. I can't do anything about it, but I'm, so I'm going to obey it. I want you guys to turn with me to John 14, 15. Hmm. So I'm already going to conclude right now. I know I didn't speak too long. Get a little rep rep I'm repeating myself. I know. I'm sorry, guys. I'm having a hard time right now. Um, so, what is worship overall? That's what we we're talking about the whole night. What is worship? Bottom line, it's what we do to let God know we love Him. That's what worship is. It's letting how what we do to let God know we love Him, and because we love Him, we worship Him. Amen. You guys want want you to stand with me for this. We're going to wrap up. 
John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. I know a lot of you guys know that verse. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. But that's the bottom line. If we love God, we will be obedient to his commandments. And that is the most pure form of worship. And like, you know, I know a lot of you say, like, well, I can't obey them all. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to fall short. But you know how I talked about when you fall down, what do you do? You get back up. God's not saying never fall. Bad dog. No. God's like, hey, it's okay. Get back up. I'm going to forgive you. Take my hand. Get back up. You're holy. You can do it. It's okay. I forgive you. I love you. God is not a condemning God. When we turn our back on him, we are condemning ourselves. But when we accept that forgiveness and grace, when we, are, we have that repentive heart, we are renewed by that and we are forgiven. So John 14, 15, when it says, when we, if we love him, we will obey his commands. That is the, the highest form of worship, obeying God's commands. And we do it not because we have to, right? We do it because we love God. I don't obey God because I'm like, okay, I'm just doing it because I don't want to go to hell. You guys think that's why I'm doing it? Because that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go to hell. That's for sure. Don't want to go to hell. But I do what I do. I live for Jesus. I talk to him. I know him because I love him. You don't have a relationship with people around you because you're afraid of what they're going to do to you later. No. You have a relationship with the people around you because you like them. Because you want to know them. Because you're interested in them. And you care for them. It's the same way with God. In Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, you know, first chapter we don't have to go there but it talks about how god created mankind god created mankind to have a relationship with people he didn't create a, a you know mankind and he created all mankind okay not just some people like this is god he made everybody when he made everybody he said it's because i want to love them i want to have a relationship god's a relational god okay you feel me guys god is a relational god so when because he loves us it's like, wow, he loves me so much. I'm so unworthy of that love. Look at what he did for me, sending Jesus for me. You guys understand that nothing you can give will outgive what God gave you? Nothing you give will outgive what God gave you. You know, you guys aren't entitled to salvation. It's a free gift that he gave you. So all we have to do is give our best, and it's not even that our, our best has to be perfect. And you know what, for me, it, my heart is for this. You know what, God, you can have my best, but it's not that great, but you can still have it. Like, when I get to realize, man, God, you did so much for me. That love you gave me, like, I am so, like, wowed by it. I'm like, have everything, God. You can have my whole life. You can have every decision I'll ever make. And then I'm still like, that's just not enough. Like, that still won't ever match up to what God deserves or he's worthy. Cynthia, if you could get some music playing. I'm going to leave you guys with this. Romans 12, 9. Let your love be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Another version says, let love be without hypocrisy. How many of you guys know sometimes it's hard to walk the talk? You know what I'm saying? But when this is saying let love be without hypocrisy, that's basically saying like, okay, you know, don't say, oh, I'm going to give God my best when you're here and then leave and then not do it, knowing you're not doing it. No, God's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking just for your best. Amen. If I can have uh, my leaders come up for prayer, all my Elevate leaders.
Adam, Anthony. All right, I want you guys to take a few minutes to think about, okay, God, where am I lacking in giving you my best? It might not be in every area, but in the areas it applies to you, I want you to ask yourself, okay, God, where am I at? Where are you and I at today? Am I giving you my best? Am I giving you my all? Am I not giving you the first fruit of my time? Am I being selfish? Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. I just ask that every heart would be unhindered and receptive and obedient to your voice, oh God. God, that we would all become very aware of the things that are keeping us from you. We all we'd be very aware of the things that we're not giving our best in, Lord, for you deserve the best. Have your way in this place tonight. So I want you guys to find a leader to come up and pray with. And you may not have to have it figured out. You don't have to necessarily say, okay, I'm sucking at this. But you can just come up for prayer. Or you can come up with a specific area like, I want to grow in this. Or God, I know I'm not giving my best in this. And you want strength. Maybe it's a sin. You want to overcome that sin. You want freedom in that area. I want you guys to come up. This is something we all are going to face. So there's not one person that's like, I'm exempt from prayer. I'm good. Even myself, you know. So I want all of you guys to make time to get alone with God. And please find someone to pray with tonight. So this is like <laughs> the next 10 minutes. We're going to go and have some prayer, okay? So if we can turn up that music. Thank you so much. 